0: Welcome to the P4C podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 12 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each p for c year is full of rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. We now join our speaker for the conclusion of last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. Right here in Romans chapter 12, very familiar passage, verses 1 and 2, we're going to read those, and then verse 3. Paul writes this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, or in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Pastor Brian Wilkerson, in a sermon on pride, says the following Here in America, we're proud of being proud. Peruse the magazines at any checkout counter, plastered with pictures of the beautiful, the powerful, the successful. They're not hiding their achievements or their abs. They're flaunting them, and we're admiring them. How many of our TV shows today are about ordinary people showing off their talents, singing, dancing, surviving, anything to grab their 15 minutes of fame? A football player goes on a rant on national TV taunting his opponent and declaring his superiority. For the next two weeks, he's the most talked about player in sports. Pride seems to be working. For these folks. So, what's so wrong with it? And then he adds the problem with pride from a biblical perspective is that it leaves God out of the picture. It fails to recognize that God is great and worthy to be praised, and that any human achievement is possible only because of his grace and goodness. Pride pushes God off the podium. It has us believing that whatever good things we have attained or received in life are purely the result of one's own achievements, our hard work, our good looks, our smarts, our talent, our persistence. We make ourselves the source of all good things instead of God. That very quickly puts us at the center of our own universe. Once we become the center of the universe, then everyone else takes second place to us. God becomes an afterthought if we think about him at all. That's how the world thinks. That's what we see every day. That's what we hear all the time. I'm just proud that I was able to persevere. I'm just proud of myself. You ever heard that? I get so sick of hearing that. The world is an enemy to humility. But that's probably not the worst enemy. The worst enemy is me. My own natural tendencies, My own natural desire. Paul says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Why does Paul have to say that? Because that's what we do, right? That's our natural tendency. It is to think, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like other men. I'm glad I'm not like other people. Look at those folks. Look at how proud they are. Look at how whatever they are. I am naturally selfish. I am the center of the universe. The world revolves around me. You're probably familiar with the property laws of a toddler. You heard of those before? If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. Daniel, maybe you've seen this a little bit lately. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, it's yours. The sad thing is that too often that's me as an adult. Just change some of the specifics, but that's still my, my mindset. Um, it, the world revolves around me. Another illustration of this comes from Lady Astor. Lady Astor was contemporary of Winston Churchill. They often had some verbal uh, back and forth. Um, but she was the first lady to be seated in Parliament. Um, and she was giving a speech at a banquet once. During a speech, she said, It is most amazing how the most learned, educated, brilliant men attach so little significance to their personal appearance. Even tonight at this very dinner, the most entertaining, cultivated, and charming guest here is wearing a carelessly knotted, loose tie. As though at a given signal, every man present slipped his hand up to check the knot of his necktie. (laughs) Why? Because she must be talking about me, right? I am the sinner, and I am an enemy of humility. My natural disposition, my desires, what I want. Now, the third one is not stated in here, but but he incites the world and me. Satan, of course. And he has been doing this from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, we read this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. And God's, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, What? You won't die. But God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be what? Like God. Knowing good and evil. Guess what? They already were. They were made in God's image. But there must be something more. Something a little better. God's holding out. And it appeals. It appeals to us. The reality is that we have to be continually aware of the fact that humility is not natural and it is not easy and we must pursue it constantly. So how do we do that? Well, we do it by focusing on the encouragement, the humility. Humility. The fact that we are the recipients of grace that we already have been blessed we already are what doing better than we deserve and we need to live in the light of that and that will lead to evidence of humility in our lives that's the third point When we resist the enemies of humility and embrace the encouragement for humility that is God's grace and mercy, then we'll be transformed by humility or transformed into people of humility. But what does that look like? What will it look like? Well, we saw, we already referred to an example, Philippians 2, the example of the Lord Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, re- did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, or consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, took upon himself the form of a what? Servant, and was made in the likeness of men. So, what does it look like to be Humble. It looks like a servant. It looks like a servant. Someone who is willing to serve the Lord and serve others. Or I should say serve the Lord by serving others. Follow with me as I read the rest of Romans 12, beginning in verse 4. Paul writes this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, spiritual gifts before we go on to the rest of Romans 12 here's what peter says in 1st peter chapter 4 as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of god's varied grace Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Why does God give us gifts so that we may serve one another and he gets the glory? That's what humility looks like. When we use whatever gifts we have to serve one another. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I just want to address this matter of spiritual gifts and service because a lot of people struggle in this area of knowing what their spiritual gift is. And, um, you know, people will go through all kinds of inventories and all kinds of other things to um, to try to figure out what their spiritual gift is. And I'm not saying those are bad ways, but after 34 years of pastoring and many other years serving in ministry. What I have seen to be the most effective way of discovering your spiritual gift, serve. Find a place of service and plug yourself in. Find a need and get involved. Serve. And you will discover pretty quickly whether or not you're gifted there. And if you're not, then you fulfill your commitment and then you move on. And eventually, you'll find where you are gifted. I've seen that to be much more effective than waiting until you're sure of where you're gifted to be to plug yourself in. Just serve. Find a place of service and get involved. Back to Romans 12. Not only is an evidence of humility the fact that we are serving one another, but also... Involves our attitudes and how we treat one another. Paul writes this, beginning in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Here's a key phrase. And I love the way it's expressed in the SV. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, my job is is to show you more honor than you can show me. That I can serve you better than you can serve me. Not in a prideful way, but I, I want to build you up. I want to serve you. I want to meet your needs. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, it's a matter of serving, a matter of our relationship with one another. And a key, again, another key, be patient in tribulation. You've already experienced tribulation and you're going to experience a lot more before you go to be with the Lord unless he comes back before I'm done. Uh, The fact is, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward, right? We live in a life of trials and tribulations. What are we to do? We're supposed to complain and grumble and murmur. No, be patient in tribulation. Why? Because we've already been shown more grace than we deserve. We're already doing better than we deserve. And then... Lest we think that this matter of humility is only in relationships with other believers. Paul goes further. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Oh man, I, I wish I'd stopped before I got to that. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That doesn't mean what some people take it to mean. Well, I've had all I can take. All right? And I'm not going to put up with any more. And what Paul means there is, if there's a rift, there's a conflict, don't you be the source of it. All right? As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If there's going to be conflict, don't you be the source of it. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm afraid that I often don't think God is doing a good job of uh, meeting out justice in his world. So I need to take it into my own hands. I need to take matters into my own hands. And I need to get a little bit of vengeance because God's not doing, he's not capable He's not doing a very good job. Humility, tra- being transformed by humility, says, not only do I serve others, not only do I love others and, and prefer others and honor before myself, but I'm willing to put up with abuse. I'm willing to put be to put up with disrespect and even persecution because I have a God who has already treated me better than I deserve, and who is able. He will not let one wrong go unpunished. He won't. Either every wrong, every wrong either is judged in the person of Christ on the cross or those who refuse Christ will suffer God's wrath for all eternity. Billy Graham once said, the smallest package I ever saw was a man wrapped up wholly in himself. That's a good point. Although he was certainly, at least from what I can tell, not a Christian, Benjamin Franklin had some wisdom that we can learn from. He writes about a visit he made as a young man to see the Puritan preacher Cotton Mather and the life lesson he learned. He recalled, Mather was showing me out of the house and there was a very low beam near the doorway. I was still talking when Mather began shouting, Stoop! Stoop! I didn't understand what he meant and banged my head on the beam. You're young, he said, and have the world before you. Stoop as you go through it, and you will avoid many hard thumps. I wish I could say I learned that lesson over the mop bucket uh, many, many years ago, but I've had to learn it again and again and again. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who has not only given us this book, but is faithful to instruct not only, not only our heads, but our hearts, and is able to help us apply the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that indeed we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Father, we pray that we would be transformed. Uh, into and by humility, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we dive into a new session from P4C 2018. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for his glory Each and every day.